Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another week of Growing With My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined, as always, by an amazing panel. This week, I'm going to pass it over first to Spartan Grown. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, everybody. I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram at Spartan Grown, all one word in those spaces. And if you don't do the social media, you can. And actually, the best way to get a hold of me is just email SpartanGrown at gmail.com. And I can help you with all your cannabis growing questions. Happy to have you back up. And next, we've got Dr. MJ. Hey, guys, it's Dr. MJ Coco from CocoCannabis.com. I um, was told that we were going to be showing off grows today. So I got my Dr. Coco grow cam going here, too. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm excited for a fun little show and tell episode. I was just copying and pasting the link over into the chat and I write a little That's message right. so people know. I'm like, it's... was I talking to myself? <laughs> but it, I, I write link to join Zoom live just so people are aware because even though they're watching it on YouTube, I think sometimes people don't realize that it's live and don't realize that their cameras and stuff, if it's pointing towards their face, it's going to be streamed live and we're not editing this. It's, it's going out there. So just as a fair warning to anybody who hasn't already been on, we do use Zoom and uh it is live streamed to YouTube that you're currently probably watching it. So with that said, I'm going to share the link and pass it next to Matthew Gates. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I think that some of our best videos are sort of the chat Q&A and um, garden walkthroughs. So I'm looking forward to seeing some cool things. It's always a wild, call, a wild card. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in more IPM help, you can find me a number of places. Zenthanol YouTube channel, the account I use here. Um, and also on Instagram and Twitter at Sync Angel. So I just actually dropped my Q&A from my live stream from January 15th. So you can check that out. We talked about a lot of cool stuff in that one. I actually just watched it and uh, answered lots of good questions and uh, put out lots of great IPM information there for the people. So uh, cheers to you in that. And last and certainly not least of the panelists who's with us currently, we've got the American one. Hello, Jack panel and everyone in chat. I am the American one. It's good to see everybody tonight. Uh, the American one underscore with underscore Keens on the IG. If you guys want to get in touch with me, have any questions or want any beans. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm glad to be here and I'm looking forward to uh, checking out some uh, plants tonight. Very good. I'll throw my hat into that ring because I kind of made the plug the other night on Eagle Show. But uh, for all those people who have asked, the Velvet Punch is actually going to be released relatively soon, in the next few weeks, uh, after three years testing and lots of work and some speaking with the original breeder, Doja DNA. He gave me the approval to put them out. And I'm going to be, with the F3s, giving 25% of the profit right back to him. And if I do let go any of the F2s, 50% of the profits to him. So I want to support the breeders who support me. And I know a lot of uh, people are in it for the fast buck and just put seeds out as quick as possible. But I know it's been a slow, slow long process for me. So uh, I'm happy that I finally feel like they're at a place where I'm very confident that they're ready and I'll give out all the information that goes along with them in the future. But uh, that's something to look forward to as well, because many on this show in particular have asked, and it's going to be USA only. So I apologize to any of the international folks, but a lot of uh, USA growers out there. From a legality perspective, I try to keep things above board and uh, want to pay taxes and do everything the right way if I can. Uh, and California and the US allows me to do that with the farm bill. So I'm thankful for that. But uh, I saw seed person one in the chat. I don't know if he's able to show his garden live just yet, but I know last week they were offering to come on and maybe give an update on the upside down clone, which uh, I've been following very closely on Instagram, where they took a clone and put it in the soil completely upside down, rooted it. And now it is beginning to start growing new growth. So 
So that'd be a fun update to get. And anybody else who's out there listening, uh, even if you don't want to show off the garden, if you just want to come in, ask some questions, hang out, uh, you can even just start dropping questions in the chat because uh, we might do some chat Q&A as well if uh, we don't get any extra people showing up. But uh, with that said, I will uh, say I, I really enjoyed the show last week. I know there's some heated debates and things like that, but I think that uh, definitely brought a lot of good stuff. And one of the things I wanted to mention was um, like in the past, we had a similar conversation about um, UV in particular. And I had just kind of said, you know, I don't use it. I agree with all, a lot of bug bees research. So that's why I don't implement it. And I do believe that good quality light in the power spectrum, like a good LED um, is probably your best bet. And um, in the comments to that video, like months ago, people were like, well, what about this UV study? And what about that UV study? And so I tried to be a little bit of the devil's advocate last week and, and advocate for those people and those listeners out there who uh, comment either angrily or passionately uh, supporting the fact that they believe UV is definitely going to give the effects that they're looking for. And I'm really excited to see the future research, but I think that we're still at a place where uh, we, we covered it really well last week. And I just wanted to yeah. throw that out. No, I, I agree. That's a good point, Jack. I just wanted to say that, you know, the controversy breeds popularity. Everybody was sort of like spiking our membership during that time. So it, it's really just little publicity stunts that we're pulling here behind the scenes at growing with my fellow growers, you know. We were getting too friendly. We were lulling them to sleep. So yeah. occasionally you got to rally them up and get them going. It was funny because like I never checked the uh, analytics, but I went back and I read all the comments from the live chat just to see because like I'm not a controversial person. I, I prefer actually more of a laid back thing. And like one or two people are like bad vibes. I'm leaving. Like I'm out. But that was two two people commented that and left. And then like within that same period, we gained like 30 or 40 viewers. And in that show, got 60 more subscribers when we normally gain like one to five a week. So we 10x our extra subs from the, I felt uh, after the heated. fact that I had gotten just a little bit too sort of sensitive. Yeah, it was it was good stuff. I mean, we stayed primarily on topic and talking about controversial topics. So um, we should all, I think, be willing to have those debates. And the, my own criticism of myself was like, you, you should just be willing to have those debates more. Um, and we got so. through, I mean, 15 questions that I had copied and pasted written into the last week's show, plus the extra questions that like Tao would ask or I would ask, stuff that would come up within uh, answer to a question, we'd ask another question. So 15 plus questions in two hours, uh, maybe like 10 minutes or whatever, we really cranked out a lot of uh, good yeah. answers and content there. So I'm, I'm thankful for last week. And I know a lot of others out there are as well. So I won't beat down that point too much, but uh, it looks like Dr. MJ, you've actually got Dr. MJ or Dr. Coco Grocam with us. I don't know if the, oh, I can see it on the YouTube already. So maybe I'll do a little spotlight and then you could tell us a little bit about what we've got going on in uh, your grow. All right. Tell you about my my little grow here. So it's the focus on that webcam. I swear to God, it's just the weirdest thing. But fortunately, at least some of it's in focus. Um, oh, you could just put the plants on. Yeah, nobody needs to see my ugly mug, but that's fine. <laughs> you can leave that. So I got six plants in there. Um, my final containers didn't arrive yet, which is sort of unfortunate because they definitely wanted to be in final containers by now. These plants will be um, three weeks old tomorrow from Seed Gets Wet. I dropped seeds on the first episode of the Ask Dr. Coco show, which tomorrow will be, I guess, the fourth episode now. Yeah, so the end of the three weeks in between episodes. Um, 
And I intended to grow, I'm down to six, um, but I was growing like a SOG. This is just a, a four by two tent. So it's not a lot of space. And I was never intending to veg these plants for very long, but I still haven't gotten my final containers yet. So I potted them up into half gallons. I had four basically half gallon air pots and um, some half gallon fabric pots. And then one of them was still small enough that it's still in its seedling bag. Um, and then I put them on the automatic watering system. So I just got one PE uh, half inch line come in and run across the tent. And then I got um, little, we call them little like, like woodpecker things that go into that line um and you can see the white lines attached to that right now the barbed, the barbed fitting like yeah that. the barbed connectors that's what they're called little barbed connectors oh, okay um and you, you punch those into the the pe tube and then you connect the little um quarter inch lines to them and put a little dripper at the end of each line so right now I just have um, one dripper per plant because they're just in little half gallon pots. Um, when I pot up, the final container is only going to be one gallon pots and I'm going to pot up and put at least one more dripper in each pot at that point. So I'll have two drippers per pot. Um, and they're sitting up on my self-draining saucers and then the whole tent is up on a shelf um, so I got buckets underneath the tent that the saucers just have drain lines that go right into that bucket underneath the tent. Um, I had to cut holes in the floor of my tent for that. And uh, the other line comes in, the feed line comes into the, the floor on the other side. So that's my little grow. Plants are doing pretty well, but I'm probably going to do a live topping tomorrow on my on the Ask Dr. Kogo show tomorrow. Um, I was going back and forth as to whether or not I'd top them. So the current plan is, you know, top them tomorrow and flip, complete the flip um, by Wednesday and then pot up next weekend, probably after sort of they recover from the flip. So I'll pot up kind of during the bolt or at the beginning of the bolt. Good stuff. And in, uh, in uh, terms of the cutting the hole in the bottom of the tent, did you like um, go through, because when I've done that in the past, I like to like maybe seal it back up with like a duct tape or something if I run a line through there. But um, being on the bottom of the tent, and uh, I think you're saying more for like drainage and, and water removal and stuff like that, it doesn't seem like it might be as uh, pertinent. But I know at the same time, sometimes the um, negative pressure or positive pressure and things like that can uh, become a little bit um, off as soon as we start cutting holes and stuff like that. So I'm curious, uh, did you do any sort of extra editing to the tent or um, maybe repairing after you punched the hole through there? No. Um, so it sits on a plywood bench, right? So the first thing I did was drill holes up through the plywood bench where I wanted the, well, down through the plywood bench, kind of moved the tent off and drilled my holes where I wanted the holes to go. And then I put the tent back on top of the bench, sort of perfectly centered. And I felt like inside the tent where those holes were and just cut X's over those holes so I could push the lines down through there. Um, light comes in because the tubes were clear. And so when the tubes get down low enough below the tent, they could get some light from the room. And basically I noticed this because the light was on in the tent and it was dark in the room and you could see the little tubes kind of glowing uh, underneath there, right? 
So I can walk over and show you, but I got another piece of, it's I thin, um, thin slate or whatever, this like aluminum foil looking insulation product that I put over on the inside and clamp down on both sides of it to like the tent bar itself. And all the little drain lines run underneath that and they're all kind of clamped in. Um, and that seemed to block out the light effectively on the outside. On the other side where the, the fresh water comes in, that's the black PE tubing. Um, and it's pretty tight to the plywood hole that's cut through the bench basically. So I'm not, and then it goes up through the mylar uh, maybe I should sort of double check and make sure that that's well sealed up on that side, you know, before the flip is complete. But that side seemed less problematic than the drain line side. But yeah, uh, you know what I'll probably do there is is um, get a black fabric pot and kind of tape it to the underside on outside the tent. So it just soaks up all the light and doesn't let any light kind of get up in there that makes sense. It's a good plan. And I think even from an IPM perspective, uh, Matthew would say that giving a little bit extra seal might prevent some stuff from uh, ingress or egress, whatever uh, is the case. It's there, tough but... in a ventilated space anyways, because the air's got to come in somewhere and the bugs are going to try to come in with it. Um, and that's one of the problems that I've had with these little two by four tents is they don't have a good air inflow duct on the bottom. So you got to cut your own in there too. And if you want to be able to filter the inflow air, you pretty much have to do that. Um, I'll shout out VivoSun because uh, my three by one and a half inch tent has like a air intake at the bottom for like a fan. But then on the all three sides that are non walls, it has like a, a little square or rectangle cut out that has like a, a mesh. Yeah, a little and then mylar. Yeah, and you can kind of pop it out and then use the Velcro a little bit to kind of. Uh, create a little bit better airflow and right but that's just like where the bugs can get in through there too right. right it's not a real filter that's what i'm saying like to put a real filter on the inflow you need to use ducting through a duct port like the only options that my little two by four tent that you're looking at there and you can see them um those little squares that you're talking about both on the end wall and on the back wall of that tent like you can peel off those little sort of like mylar squares and let it like air just flow in and light flow out. And like, that's not a practical thing for a photosensitive crop to just open up a door like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mine's in a closet. So it's backed up to like a wall. And um, I used to just do it so that because I had so much negative pressure, I like had my exhaust fan was a little bit too powerful. It would suck the walls in pretty significantly. So yeah. I was trying to ease the process. But what really ended up benefiting me was I added um, not like a huge fan. I think it's a four inch like booster fan on the intake. Yeah. I have a nice exhaust fan that's you know drawing a lot of air out and monitoring yeah. things. But adding that booster fan, um, I'm sure pests can get through it, but I feel like they might get chopped up on the way in. <laughs> so but you can filter it. Yeah, only so. Yeah, it, you can do you can put a better filter on that and then power through the filter with your your duck booster fan um yeah when i set up my four by four when i set up my four by four properly i've got two intake fans that are both low power like 50 cfm or something like that um but they're enough that i can put a little semi-rigid ducting through the port seal it up tight put a fabric pot and kind of duct tape that down to the end, the outside end of that duct line, 
and put the fan on the inside of the tent and pull fresh air in through that black fabric pot that allows me to have better sort of inflow, balance out the negative pressure, still be light protected. And I mean, I don't know, Matthew, what do you think about a fabric pot as a bug prevention barrier in that case? Is that is that going to get me much or are they just going to like laugh at my attempt to stop them with the fabric pot? And what's the uh, preferred, if that's not a good one, what is the ideal? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't think that you're going to have, it depends a little bit on the bug, but um, yeah, I mean, obviously like a more a more rigid surface would be more impenetrable, right? like a plastic, you know, pot or wood or whatever, but well, like, no, I'm not like on the, on the edge of the ducting. So I cover the end oh, of okay. my, my duct with a fabric pot and tape it down and I'm pulling air through there as the inflow into the tent. Oh yeah. They're not gonna. Yeah. So like, I think that, um, you know, I think people, if people's like, if they're informed by like Hollywood movies and things we see like bug like things like pierce through like some, you know, wall material or something to get to some, you know, right. sci-fi, you know, they're not really interested. Most of the time there are bugs that can burrow. It's true. But usually you're probably doing things that are like really fragile and uh, you know, they're not going to like push through. So yeah, yeah I think that that's probably, yeah, I think that's, yeah. You know, that's like my thought at least good. You'd have to have like a big gauge. Like, you know, you have to have netting that's just really not worth anything. You know what I mean? For it to be problem, you know, or, uh, uh, you know, like not great. I hate to say it, almost yeah. like the tent, tent little square that we we're talking about. That netting is so loose that it's like, it's yeah. not, not any that sort of insect net. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's going to keep house flies out maybe, but like, and it's I guess, yeah. Dragon flies out of your grow, I guess. But yeah, it's not quite a chain link fence, but I mean, it might as well be to most. Of the yeah. Things. That's a good metaphor for it. Exactly. Yeah. So like fabric, you know, that's way too, um, uh, you know, whatever the term is like ply pleated, whatever yeah. it's, porous. yeah, it's not getting through porous. Exactly. Yeah. It's way too, uh, non-porous. I've always not porous the enough. Pots, and I have little, um, two gallon black fabric pots, like for this purpose, I bought them for like HVAC reasons not to grow plants in because they just are like the perfect things to cover up those duct lines. They let enough air flow through. They block all the light if you get the black ones. So like, you know, it, it, it kind of covers like a lot it. of bases with that. So if you're out there in the cheap home grow universe thinking about how do I create better air inflow into the bottom of my tent, that's it Get like a little six inch duct and a little black fabric pot that'll fit over the edge of that and just put that in your duct ports down at the bottom there and, and as we saw a fan onto uh, that more power to you as we saw with the dog doctor black it literally absorbs light so if there is light hitting it we saw like he tested the side of his room with a light meter next to that black uh whatever aptus nutrients uh yep. you know banner and then he went to the mylar side and it was like, just like I said, it was like 200 or something PPFD different. It was a pretty significant drop. And so um, it's a reminder, black as a color. I know it's like a physics thing or whatever. Uh, the, the way that the light uh, is absorbed versus like white reflects or the mylar refl reflects. So we can use that to our advantage in uh, something like blocking off your, you know, yeah. air intake. So I really like it just because a lot of the gardens will have most of those things already in the garden you can use right, it as an immediate exactly. solution i love it right you have this this stuff laying around 
Yeah, I'm not telling you to get something for like pool cleaning supplies or something. You're like, oh, where do I even go to get that? Oh, this is stuff that we use every day anyways. Yeah, a bunch of us maybe even recycled or uh, wanted to recycle fabric pots and then decided, oh, you know, I'm just going to buy a new one, Etron or whatever, or this one is worn out so they could wash it and then, uh, you know, throw it over. I think uh, a bleach soak could be always a good thing just to sterilize, but um and then maybe like Epsom salt or something. I did more trouble for telling people this, but I washed my fabric pots in the dishwasher, not in like the washing machine where you would think you would put your clothes or whatever, but in the dishwasher. Gets super hot in the dishwasher and sterilizes things. Um, and yeah, it just does really well. But like people always say, like, oh, my wife would kill me or my husband would kill me. I guess I don't know. But like they don't think Actually, that it's appropriate to be smart. putting. Uh, yeah, I think the dishwasher is a great have... place to wash your fabric pots. Yeah, because they make most dishwashers are made to handle like food scraps and stuff like that. And if you put your, if you're using your like, I hate to say this on there, but if you're going to wash them in a washing machine, wash them in somebody else's like the laundry mat <laughs> because you're going to tear your machine up, man. It's not yeah, made that's to, to, to move that kind of material. Yeah. Even like yeah. little bits of perlite and stuff. And the dishwasher kind of is. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, uh, it's it's designed for other you know, solids that are considered like biosolids, but it, it'll get off of the cocoa or peat or, you know, little small i would still encourage shaking the crap out of it get as much oh of it yeah as possible, knock out whatever you can but you know you get all sorts of stuff and it's all, all kind of resident or residues growing on there or whatever i mean it, it definitely cleans them up nicely that's a great point and uh honestly if, if i had a dishwasher i would <laughs> i'm in a unit that uh we're hand washers still over here <laughs> right, you stocks. are the dishwasher right jack i am yeah Little elbow I'll grease. Take a second, Jack, if I can, to to selfishly use some airtime because um, I had kind of a wah, wah, wah moment in my uh, flower room. I've got some testers going in my flower room. I what I did was I doubled up my pots, so I put two in each pot, and uh, I had two snow devil, which is the snow cane vortex cross, in one of my pots, and I was clean up a little bit because it has monster leaves just monster leaves and i was having some airflow issues so i was removing some of those leaves and lo and behold on this probably day between day 14 16 somewhere in that range you know already had nice little button buds on it little about that big buds on it here's like four or five ball sacks right at a node so like a true hermy like not 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 like a nanner no true hermy so um kick purely myself flower, after this purely because, yeah i sexes. just i mean i instantly out of instinct just snip that whole plant came out and it got the hell out of there um you know obviously i'm worried about pollen and uh and then i was talking to anything grows after about it and uh i'm kicking myself now and she was like well did you get a picture of it i haven't seen that before i'm like oh my why did i not so um so I know that I have some testers out there, some snow devil out there. So anybody listening that has snow devil, I want you to know to keep a really close eye on those because I could find a hermaphrodite and that probably won't go for, for uh, sale. But what I do plan on doing is I don't want to give up on that project. What I'm going to do is continue to hunt it, find the females that are not hermaphrodites, hunt some males that are not hermaphrodites, breed it down to F2, test it, breed it down to F3. Maybe if I can get to... Um, 
maybe I can breed that out. You know, that's not, it's not a thing to give up on. It's just a challenge. It's funny because even if like you would have taken that pollen and it, it, if it, even if it did pollinate something and then you take those seeds, I always quote the chef OMJ and Dr. MJ's uh, group where like seven out of eight or eight out of nine people that grew the dark ghost train haze all got herms. So, I mean, it's definitely in that genetic line, but then chef OMJ, his stuff actually got seeded because of the herm and he grew out a bunch of them like six or seven maybe ten he's like zero herms out of any of those like s1 and uh you know herm cross stuff so it's so weird and I, I agree with you it might be especially if it's fire worth hunting through and worth trying to select away from if possible and even Honestly, if not you can just give people the warning and, and figure out what makes it herm like is it too small of a pot is it too hot is it uh over or underwatered too much it could be just too there's two in the same pot you know what i mean that's stressful for the plants a little bit to have two in the same spot where their roots are vying for the same yep. nutrients um because its sister which is right in the next to it is showing zero signs of that looking great so uh oh, they they talked about it amongst themselves and they decided that the other one was gonna go <laughs> hermaphrodite yeah exactly it's like man you're sexy we've got to get together so yeah like, hey, baby. oh we're both girls <laughs> hey um I got I'm not kidding you, man. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding you. Between Dude, all the plants, the snow devil was my favorite plant structure. Like I was watching them, and the structure, just the this, because what I wanted with the plant was the vortex. Honestly, doesn't have a pleasing structure. So these crosses, um, a lot of them were trying to bring structure to that plant to make it less. Uh, it grows like a like a vining tomato, kind of how they want to just spread out and, and get wide and not really get up. You know what I mean? And so I'm hitting it with the more modern strains that are more vigorously straight up and uh, I'm trying to bring some vigor to it. So uh, that was what I was seeing the best results with that snow cane cross. But then, here we go. Now we're 50 50 with uh, hermaphrodite <laughs> in that one pot. That's why so, you test. I don't know. If you're patient, you can breed that out. I imagine it may, you may need to cross it out. You may not just be able to select it out, right? Like, or tell people cross it to something more stable and, and until you get all the traits that you wanted from the original, but sort of the non hermaphrodism properties of the, the new cross. Hey, I, can use the, I could use my, uh, my F2 process, my F2 project with the project V, the Vortex F2 project, which is one of the parents of that cross. Um, I can hunt those F2s for something I really like to those traits on the vortex side and then work that back into it yeah. it's like an cross. as i've seen sta you know stable on that side yeah That's a good idea. i mean i think you can definitely get through this but this one path might be a dead end yeah to be back up and exactly go, like, you know, yeah a different way well yep. and like you could also um maybe run them again and see if not running it in a pot with another plant if it doesn't harm and then like warn people if you do want to put them out and say hey if you run it in a too small of a root zone or a shared root zone setting this particular strain in my testing showed that it was more likely at least 50% of like my two plant survey in that case. I think, yeah, I think if it's something in that situation is like, I'd have to find some really good fire on, on the, on the female side. And if I did, I would use that as a breeding project. But um, like, if people were interested in the seed, they could reach out to me and we could figure something out, but I still wouldn't uh, actively put something out on the market that i know has a chance to hermaphrodite i just can't do that and it sounds like this was like you were saying a, a, a true herm it wasn't just yeah it wasn't just, it wasn't curious it was exactly it was, it was like serious slap you in the face i am right here <laughs> like no doubt about yeah. it Nothing I kind of think that. about those terms like they're more kind of destined towards that almost regardless of what you've 
done to them. But I, I, I agree with Jack, you know, growing two pots in a plant in one pot rather um, two plants in one pot. Yeah. It can, can be something that I be interesting to see if it's still hermed other than that, but I kind of suspect that it would because like it went for it. Yeah. I mean, it was, I'll say I always do two plants in my earth box. That's my SOP for like, that's how I like to flower. And um, I've seen very few herms, but it does occasionally happen. And um, the one other big is the earth box. When I, earth box is, I think they say like um, it's bigger than the two cubic feet. In. It's two cubic feet. I'm growing about one point five cubic feet, so it's a little bit okay. Smaller. That could be it there. And then on top of that, I was just gonna say when I tried three plants, I put sangria from Subcool in the middle, which I was really stoked for, and like made sure it had room. Planted the other ones like on the outside, but in flower. Uh, the two, I think this was actually velvet punches, uh, maybe the F2s. And um, yeah, because I was trying to make a velvet punch cross to sangria. Anyway, the sangria got eaten alive. It literally like the other velvet punches grew straight over top of it. And within the root zone, I know the velvet punch roots were just growing like crazy. And the sangria roots were probably not growing at all because it stayed maybe a few inches taller than the veg height where the velvet punches were just raging. They were like you know yeah. truly you know experiencing the stretch like a healthy cannabis plant should and uh that genetic in particular has a fair amount of vigor and, and stretch and early flower so um i saw a plant and i didn't kill it off it literally died it and that's my only plant i've ever had die in all my years of growing from like was it not getting any light anymore after a while jack did it just get like, yeah. buried by the others it got shaded and then it literally died because it was not receiving the lights like you think, or at least I, you know, would hope that like some stuff was getting down there, but like, no, like it really is. Uh, it was blocked and yeah. just dominated by the other plants. So that's why I do too now. Yeah. That was the, the one thing. time I introduced intercanopy lighting into one of my grows was I had a, a one plant that just got buried by this other plant that was like <laughs> so much more vigorous than it and the poor little plant was just like suffocated i mean completely covered by this other plant and i didn't want to like trim back this big beautiful vigorous plant so i i like took this little you know just a little reflector light with two little cfl bulbs plugged into it i got like positioned it mid canopy like shine down on this poor little sad run that's a good plant. idea i might do i've got that situation in my testers too because i have a project v that is completely grown over a cobra milk like completely like completely said no no i am the main queen around here you're just my subject and it's like yeah. completely leaning over top of it and just you know and I, yeah i let that happen i mean i let the vigorous plants go your vigorous plant you go for it man i mean you want to take up that you want to just be a bully to the other yeah, I let it, or yeah. the other plants that you're sharing the tent with that, that's what's going to happen. There's definitely a survival of the fittest in terms of what plant gets the most canopy space in my in my tent. I don't like sort of constraining a plant that's vigorous and being like, come on, little plant, you can catch us. Like, no, you're going to get buried. You better catch up or you're just going to have this little tiny square to be growing in because everybody's going to push you into that. Yep, I do the same thing. Yeah. But that's another just reason wanna... why I'm kind of like going by like the two plant thing. All my other, I have four planters and three of them have two plants in it. And that one planter was the only one that had a hermaphrodite, you know? And so, yeah, I don't know. It, it it, it, I'm sure it's a factor. That's all I know. I, I You know, that's the first thing yeah. that popped in my head. I want to say that uh, in the chat, this isn't a question, but uh, I remember from, previous chats that Rosinante was talking about how 
they had a question previously. I think it was last week about uh, anticipating whitefly, and they were using uh, incarsia wasps for them. And uh, I don't know if they also use some of the stuff that we talked about, but basically they uh, they were effective. They correctly anticipated the whitefly. They thought they would come in because of their data that they have from before, and they put the biocontrols out immediately before they came and they rocked them and they're, um, you know, he's not seeing any, they didn't even get to establish. So, you know, that's just a, a, just a powerful example of what can happen if you put all that information, if you record it and you study it and you make improvements on your IPM plan, you really can have an effective and efficient response, but it does require you knowing um, what's coming, you know, so it saves you a ton of money appropriately. Absolutely to deploy it at the right time. I've seen a bunch of uh, mostly Humboldt growers that are like uh, really into the regenerative, uh, you know, uh, polyculture, I guess is what they call it. But they have a bunch of other pollinators and things in their area, but they will also like look back last year and say, oh, we got wiped out by whatever pests. And then say, well, this year about that same time, we're going to put out a bunch of the predators. And when they've done that, it's uh, an extremely successful, both outdoors, greenhouse, and uh, even indoor. I think if you're, troubled for whatever reason i know people that have like uh they grow in like a barn type situation and it's not fully sealed so uh yeah it's important to realize when seasonally you're most likely to get hit by this stuff so you can cut down on the cost and implement the proper thing ahead of time it's like you got your little security force waiting for them when they show up yeah. and just eat good and everybody dies and then everything clears out use the swirsky so just in case yeah so we he talked about i remember now the question was what are some other options to, to bring to bear and i mentioned like a coomers and swirsky eye and um, they got the Swirsky eye. And so that was effective. So those two biocontrols put together, knocked them out. So very nice. I just want to highlight this situation too, because I think these situations are, um, are kind of the best example of what makes a, a great grower, a great grower. And that could be somebody who's very low skilled, but doesn't have a, a large ego. And, and instead of being crushed by, you know, a an IPM issue where bugs destroyed partial or all your whole crop and then you're just crushed and just give up instead the great grower goes okay what do i have to do to prevent this and he came up with a plan implemented that plan and next time it wasn't anything you learn from it now it's no big deal and you know that you know that lesson forever and you just do that you know just growing years after years after years you pick up every one of those things so you don't have to be the best grower in the world and never run into issues. Sometimes the best growers in the world have had every issue and had to deal with them. That's why they're <laughs> the best growers. Experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree Oftentimes, with that. Yeah. yeah. They, I think learning how to battle it. Like I, I follow Xanthanol's YouTube channel as closely as possible so that if I do face some of the stuff, at least I have mentally in my head what to expect, how to fight it, what's available. And I'll rewatch that stuff. It's like, if I see that I got a pest that I haven't had before, I'll pull it up. And at the end, there's usually lots of great recommendations for things you could spray, uh, predators that you can use, and even sometimes manual removal. Uh, the crop scouting thing can't go under you know, uh, notice because if you see it early, you can actually cut down populations by pulling off a leaf here and there or uh, you know, crushing them in the case of like caterpillars and things like that. Um, certain things you can actually manually remove and see some things are really 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 small so you might have to get out some uh you know fancy microscope classes but uh that would definitely help a lot of people uh, just to be able to go through and fight it themselves because once you've done it 
sometimes you realize, oh, that was actually a lot easier to fight than I thought. Spider mites, for example. Um, my barber got him in his first grow. He, he picked up clones. And I came through um, and he, his shit was all covered. The first time I got there, uh, his stuff was already covered in webs. And he didn't realize what was going on. So I helped him through it. We used, I think, Californicus and uh, Lost Coast Plant Therapy um, and manual physical removal. Uh, he used like barbecue skewers, like the little, you know, wooden, uh, you know, sticks. And he reached into the, like, it was in flower at this point, sadly. And um, he would pull off a lot of the webbing and then released a ton of way, way more predators than he probably needed. But uh, they were able to wipe out the population and he was able to get to his first harvest. Although it wasn't the his best one. He fought through it and he knew in the future if he ever got it there's ways to fight it and um even learning like oh if i want to order predator mites you've got to wait uh, x amount of days even if you get the expedited shipping um you know overnight or whatever when you've got a population of things eating your plants might feel like a whole lot longer <laughs> to sit and watch them suffer um even like tau will say i think a lot of times just spraying water freaking just plain water on plants will remove a lot of the uh, pests if you have nothing else on hand that can um, not remove all of them, but it can knock down or uh, frustrate, make more difficult the uh, job of the predator that's trying to eat them. So, yeah, we have a um, we have another question from Justin Bean. Just since we're talking about bugs, um, this was about uh, Zealus. I assume they mean Renardii, not uh, Renaldi here, uh, which is a type of assassin bug. It's the leafhopper assassin bug. And I think if you live in Southern California and you live, I think they're they're all across North America actually. In other parts of the world but these like kind of thin um assassin bugs are really common i see them in flowers all the time out in nature or whatever uh but they're asking more information about them and the, I, as far as i know i don't think they're commercially available but they, you can see them in a lot of places so if you're growing outdoors um you know although they have the name leafhopper assassin bug they go after like aphids and other small insects like that so it can be kind of fun to see them around I, you know, again, like I wouldn't, if you see like one or two, you know, I wouldn't count on them to like destroy your aphid population. You know what I'm saying? Like I would try, I would try to affect that change by your own hand rather than being passive, but it's kind of a, you know, if you see them, don't kill them. Don't think that they're a bad bug. Like just seeing that discernment is important, but also um, I would say that's what's interesting about them is that they have like a, um, they have like a sticky adhesive on their body, on their on their uh, legs. And so kind of like a praying mantis, but instead of having like spines, they have this like glue. And so that's what they use to like capture some things. And don't be afraid if, if uh, or not afraid, but don't be dismayed if you see them like take down like a honeybee or something, you know, they got to eat. And, uh, you know, honeybees, I know it sounds cruel, but honeybees typically outlive their um, their wings. Their wing beats, their wings actually give out before their life does, and they can't return to the colony anyways. So, um, the circle of life. Uh, don't be afraid, you know, uh, sometimes they got to eat, and that will just be beneficial to your own garden and also the local ecosystems. Don't kill them. Well, and honeybees and, are uh, like, you kind of put it to me, it's like being worried about the cattle population. Yeah, like, exactly, exactly. Yeah, if there's, not your there's a bunch of people who yeah, keep bees. There's these some are, issues uh, affecting wild bee populations, but the populations of honeybees are directly related to how many people are cultivating honeybees and farming honeybees. Um, yep. it, yeah, that's a, a My, that's a market 
my former barber yeah. is now <laughs> no longer a barber. He's a full-time apiarist, I think is the technical term, but uh, he's is. a beekeeper and uh, he makes some of the fucking best honey ever. I love local honey, but, uh, and I see why he does it. And it's crazy Me to see too. five you know gallon buckets full of honey. Beekeepers make their money? Selling pollination. So, so, but pollination, yeah. They're, they're their bees out yeah. at orchards and yeah. other crops that need the, the pollinators. So you move your bees around and there's bees sort of being trucked and transported around. And a lot of orchard crops, uh, it's part of their crop insurance. Like they have to contract with so many colonies of bees per acre or whatever, um, you know, and, and so, yeah, there's that, that sort of whole market yeah a huge part of my buddy's business he has literally a flatbed truck essentially of a bunch of like mobile hives that are strapped down and he brings yep. them out to different orchards and does just that and uh i think it's a beautiful thing honestly it's a amazing process yep. and, and then you got to keep the honey the honey is sort of a byproduct you know what i mean yeah um uh, the other interesting thing about the whole sort of honeybee market out there i don't know if anybody actually asked me about this which is when they're not being leased out and you're just sort of like, you know, keeping your bees alive, you hope that, you know, there's free food around for your bees to be going in and collecting. Um, and that there's a whole bunch of externality economics associated with that. Like, should the bee farmers have to pay other farmers for like growing the nectar that, that their bees depend on the rest of the time or, you know, all those kinds of questions or should that be sort of something that, that we think about, but yeah, anyways, I'll stop. I feel like it's, this, it's similar. I feel like it's very similar um, to like foraging culture, like in some places foraging in certain, in some places allowed in other places, especially protected places. I live in California. There's a lot of those um, not so much. And uh, I had a friend who honeymooned in, um, you know, sort of Northern Europe and sort of the Scandinavian areas. And um, I want to say it was Finland, where, like, I think, like, it's, like, uh, it's totally okay legally to just, like, even if it's on people's property to some degree. I, I don't remember the law totally. This is not legal advice, but, like, I guess it's a lot more lax is what I'm trying to get at. There's a lot more land where people, are, it's like, it's okay. You can go pick mushrooms or whatever. That's what commons yeah. are. Yeah. yeah, land that everybody sort of has access to to go and, and use. Um, there are some really we classify them in economics as common pool resources, and there are some things that are are common pool resources in the United States, but not a lot. Like you can you can go rock rock hounding on federal land, for example. Um, it's a common pool resource. They might can kind of go and do it on BLM land. You can just go and pick up rocks. Yeah, and, and I'll just say one last thing, because I always mention it with honeybees, is that um, not only like paying the farmers, or should there be any sort of compensatory deal, but also like, you know, that's why I brought the foraging, like they have a, they have an influence, they're super, they're super generalists, and, and they can also vector parasites to other flies and bees and solitary bees and native bees that are not protected. Um, they can vector those viruses and other pathogens and other weird stuff like that. So it's a question about that, too, I think. Um, it's hard to track, obviously. So I'm not trying to vilify anybody. I'm not saying that all IPRs are terrible people, but, you know, it's an influence and it's something I keep my eye on. So anywho. 
Yeah, it's, oh, it's just... I, love, I love beekeepers. I think it's a great thing to do. I think of all the animals that you could sort of ranch, I guess, is it feels to be mini like livestock. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it seems it seems better. This, You know, there was this other really interesting article that I came across this week, Matthew, that I wanted to ask you about where it was talking about the rise of insectaries. Um, and farming insects specifically. And as soon as they started talking about that, I thought of you. But they were primarily thinking about like chapulines and food insects, right? Things that we're going to be eating and, and using them as a protein source. But sort of the, the angle on this article was, are these insects sentient? And are there any ethical considerations that we need to be aware of in, in sort of farming insects, I must admit that this was an angle I had never thought about before with regards to insectaries in particular. So I was just I'm like, I want to ask Matthew what he thinks about the ethics of raising insects. Are there, are insects sentient? Is this, is this something that we would have to worry about? But this was like in, in the news this week. Yeah. Um, my hot take on the philosophy of mind of arthropods and insects in, in particular is that, uh, I'm probably not equipped to to have a good opinion, but I think that it's funny because people will make the same comments with uh with like new mammals, for example, and there's sort of a bias that we have that they're they're more complex or at least their brains are bigger, right? But I, I saw a video I saw research recently from um from a researcher who was tracking what seemed what they thought could be REM sleep and jumping spiders. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and and but it's not to say you shouldn't eat crickets know. or raise, you know, Swarovski eye or whatever. I mean, it, it, the, the question here, I think, is like, should, should we? I don't think they. I don't think they feel pain like we comfort do. Into into mind or something. Yeah, you know, if we're raising pigs. Like we don't want to torture them, I and mean, that's not right. cool to just be like pigs we're still going to eat them and find them delicious and we're still going to raise them for food but we're going to try to do it in a way that, that minimizes the torture um i just hadn't thought about that in in regards to crickets or mites or other things um, it's a you know they can i learn. think about it with fish on like the aquaponic scale when i see all those fish in that little pond yeah they're you know become meat yeah they produce nutrients for our cannabis or other crops but i personally don't do aquaponics because i just feel a little weird about it i used to keep fish in a fish tank and i don't know my roommate had a really cool one in college and uh i, I feel find the, the fish tank culture micro. fascinating it's very expensive though <laughs> there's lighting the people that fish tank people if you want to talk about lighting some of those people are like as dialed in as yeah gophers. yeah they do, like, yeah that's true lightning coral. storms and crazy stuff it's like stuff. coral people yeah they uh are definitely uh i think they call themselves reefers funny enough <laughs> That's what they're like. Little <laughs> communities are called like on YouTube. Coral, I'm not even yeah. joking. Coral reefers. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would just say, and just going for that other topic uh, about sentient stuff. The convenient answer, of course, would be, you know, I don't really think they they feel the pain that other animals do, and all that stuff. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't consider those kinds of things. But uh, to be honest, their their brain. I mean, bumblebees can learn. Even spider mites can learn behaviorally. Um, so there seems to be something going on there, but, uh, yeah, I think that, um, I don't think it's the same at the very least. I don't think they process the world in the way that we do. And I'm, I'm liable to feel like it's, uh, 
I don't know what the right adjective would be, but I, I want guess... my free range predator mites now. Number. You, you just number. guilted me into it. <laughs> I know. I definitely want free range predator mites. Yeah. My free range well, chickens make better eggs. I know ethically it. Ethically sourced free range predator just, mites. I, I mean, I. I free range just... assassin bugs we just talked about. <laughs> when we get on these topics i just you know push ahead in my brain and i'm just like you understand like how far do you go with it because you're killing millions of things every step you take exactly i mean oh yeah so, yeah. so every far... isopod every snail. i also think about what will look like to future generations when i read things from the past like during the, the early women's <laughs> movements when when people yeah. said oh what's next next you're going to be talking about animals having rights and just yeah. sort of like these outrageous things like women having rights this is absurd you know and then right like, you know, we kind of think animals like obviously women have rights you know we kind of most people think that animals have some rights too and, and in that context like is like future generations going to be looking back on us and then these these absolute savages were just like using these mites without any concern <laughs> for their welfare <laughs> or ladybugs yeah. so that's an even better Plants. example taking them out of their habitat and putting them in the frozen north <laughs> yeah exactly all so of the plants have of... rights yeah i mean do they, they have the right anything? to be delicious yeah. <laughs> plants are not considered <laughs> sentient right and so but i guess insects are still in sort of a gray area where there's like debate the, yeah the it's, beauty it's, is that in nature they all kill each other pretty savagely so as reserve... guilty as we might feel they all kill the shit out of each other left and right all no, day, no question day, every and day, center that's how they survive and, and you know i think about it this way you probably maybe you don't need to respect the rights of your your insects but if you're sitting around pulling legs off of beetles for fun there's probably something wrong with you anyways you know you know that's what i've read i that's what i read uh yeah like one of the one of the telltale signs is like mites. animal cruelty right like uh yeah I've, i'm more I've worried about you than predictor of like serial killers yeah i think i remember reading that like ivan the terrible like would uh like he would get like cows up on a hill and this is apocryphal, maybe I don't know, but like he would like he would like lay into them with like bow fire and just like put arrows into them, you know, just for funsies. <laughs> I don't know, not like hunting right. them, not like let's get the kill and let's like practice hunting, but like just for just to put anguish oh, just into for, another for animal yeah. and twist and yeah, yeah. Man, it's wrong. Yeah, I don't think it makes someone the meat doing better. that uh, generally. I think it's no. honestly this is a good reminder for people like maybe report that to family members or a teacher or somebody who's around yeah. because some of those people i hate to say it do end up going on to do a lot of very terrible things and we I as society like to stand love. aside yeah. and do yeah. nothing and they do nothing just need some love a hug they do need a lot of love but at the same time i think if we had better reports i'm not hugging that like person this, i'm sorry they, I'm, I'm gonna get some i'm not saying you need to hug person. them i'm saying <laughs> maybe a lot of the times when i hate to bring up this example but it happens so often there are school shooters. And then after it happens, a lot of the kids go, oh, you know what? We actually weren't even that surprised. We kind of expected it from yeah. that guy. And yeah. that's a problem. People should report shit like that a little bit sooner and try and get yeah. them help that they need. Because I, I, I totally realize them. And if uh, you have a roommate that enjoys torturing small animals, that said warning sign. That's a pretty big warning sign. Yeah, that's a good, that's a big red flag. <laughs> big red or flag. playing with like dead animals and things like that. Like, yeah, there's a lot of um, a red flag. Yep. So Rosinante asks, have you seen people ask me, uh, have you seen people use sundew carnivorous plants instead of sticky traps? And I have known some people who thought that'd be a novel idea. Um, but you know, I don't think it's a super serious one, particularly because you'd have to have like a lot of sundew or Venus flytrap or 
uh, pitcher plants, you know, there's a bunch of these, although I think Stundu might be the best example of that kind of thing. Um, you know, I just don't feel like they will catch enough and um, you probably had to have a great volume of them. And a lot of these carnivorous plants, they develop carnivory um, because a lot of times it's because they can't get nitrogen or nitrogenous sources very easily because they developed in like a bog and, or a swamp or a fen or something like that. And um, this is their way of, of harvesting that from their environment. And it's really cool. Proto-carnivory in plants is a really interesting subject and how it develops is very fascinating. Obviously, a lot of plants get their nutrients from animals indirectly, but this is a more direct route. And um, they're very, and so because of that, their their needs are very different from most land plants that people are used to growing. So I just think they wouldn't be a really great investment. Plants metabolism is just so much slower than an insect or an animal in terms of like the amount that they would need to process too, right? So like, um, yeah, you can overfeed them. It happens. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And meanwhile, like the predator mites or whatever will just replicate and yeah, yeah, keep eating. Um, yeah, plants and are also limited in what they can do, which is good because we don't want them out there sort of burning through things too fast because they're primary producers. Also, you can't get any data from that, you know. So one of the benefits of having a admittedly like you know, sterile sticky card instead of like a plant is that you can track it. You can like look at it and see what was killed and you can regularly uh, replace it. So you know what last week was like and what this week is like. And that's very valuable information if you're able to, um, if you're able to process it and record it, which Rosinante was able to do. So it was their question as well here. So we've got VPD growth. Rose uh, coming in and Rico Rodriguez asked earlier, I have been dealing with aphids for almost two months. I got ladybugs 6k and a few weeks later, uh, I had to scroll and now I lost my spot. Another 6k. They definitely took a big problem to a small issue, but didn't eliminate them completely. Yeah. And um, some people know that, uh, Lady beetles can be harvested, since we're talking about ethics, sort of unethically, destructively, uh, in forests and land that probably shouldn't be probably wasteful to do such things. And also, though, sometimes they, sometimes people sell uh, lady beetles that are exotic or invasive to other locations, like here, Harmonio axaridus, the harlequin lady beetle is one such example. You can kind of tell it from other lady beetles because it's it's red and black, but it can be all kinds of other colors. That's why it's called the harlequin. It's got a bunch of phenotypes that look vastly different. Just check it on Google. It's very amazing. Uh, but they tend to have near their head, there's this like section that a lot of people kind of recognize on beetles. The name is the scutellum, I think. Um, uh, that might be they look uh, like little that might... alligators when they're babies, right? They do. They, yeah, they do. The uh, lady beetles tend to look like they have like this sort of like long elongated body and the six legs, and they're usually like black and orange, the orange spots at the abdomen. But as adults, they have this like M shape near their head, this like white M, and that's a pretty common coloration for them. But anyways, long story short, to help the question out, you know, just be careful what you buy, um, because those lady beetles will eat native lady beetles too. <laughs> And uh, that's not great. So uh, for me, for aphids, I actually don't, I'm actually not a fan of lady beetles using them. Um, 
for all the reasons I just mentioned, and also because as adults, they can fly away. So that, that can be kind of an issue. And it can be kind of hard because people see they harvest them when they're in diapause, when they're like overwintering, and then they keep them cold. They're sort of artificially extending that like behavioral response. But then when you get them in, in nature, when the diapause goes away, their behavioral response is to go find a new place to go right? Is to go to find food and maybe they'll stay around on your plants if they find it there. But, you know, it's like, uh, it's kind of a ham-fisted deployment. I feel like a better option is something like lacewing larvae. They're super voracious and they don't fly until they're adults and the adults don't eat aphids. Green lacewings, at least brown lacewings do. Um, Good suggestions. I I want to welcome in uh, VPD grows some bushes <laughs> as we're looking at some bushes and uh thank you for coming in uh almost an hour into the show we dropped the link at the very beginning you're the first one to show your grow so cheers to you hats off to you on that and what are we looking at how you doing thanks jack hey everybody hey panel hey chat nice to be here um, hey doc Lo- love you very much um i'm kind of a like a new grower so real quickly i i've been like a booth grower and the reason being this is my third grow with these seeds in this tent. My first harvest was four plants and it was about three ounces. My second harvest was maybe six ounces. This will be my third harvest in my two by four. And I um, think I'm beating the uh, the booth. I, I think I've graduated to bushes. <laughs> so ho- hopefully I'll... Uh, I'll get a little more vertical in the future and grow trees. And then maybe VPD will grow some dank after that. But, I was uh, going to ask what the demarcation was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we started. Oh, those are good booth. looking bushes, though, VPD. Thank you. Those are happy, happy bushes for the most part. And I would say uh, coming from the numbers that you were saying on your first grows, the yeah. best thing about growing or one of the best things I think is you can continue to see your progress. You get better. You start getting more and better quality. And you get more familiarity with your plants, what makes them happy. And uh, do you have any questions for us generally? Or uh, just want to come I'm, in? Uh, I'll have some questions in just a moment. I'm, uh, I'm getting better at not killing them. I'll show you my veg tent at it's the moment. I've been watching. Yeah, the first step to success is don't kill them. In my book, um, I've been watching too much YouTube today. My veg tent needed watering this morning, so they are now drooping. So these are underwatered plants. And then we can talk about any Where? advice anyone would like to. Oh, the uh, veg, there we go. Uh, yeah, here's the veg tent. These are now underwatered. They should have been watered first thing today. Um, okay. Now, any advice would be grateful. Um, my plan is that has three weeks left. Um, these have been growing up because there's been no room. I'm what size tent of, is that? V? This is about a two by three. This is five square feet and the other one's eight square feet. Yeah. And what's the um, medium? It's peat base. Those plants are going to so, be, and they're not flipped yet. They're they're still vegging. No, they are not. My plan at the moment is I'm going to cut them down to here. So I'll have about three weeks for them to grow back up. I'll put them in there, bend them over, give them two weeks to grow out, and then flip them. 
So my lack of space and how vertical they're going. Why are you going to why are you going to let them grow more before flipping them? Uh, because I want to keep a veg tent. Um, if I had space, uh, yeah, I, I understand. Put, no, but you said you were going to chop yeah. them down and then move them and then grow them two more weeks and then flip them. Ah, to grow into the space to get more. They'll grow into the so space that. during the bolt. You do not need to to veg those plants any longer to fill that space. Keep in mind, plants still grow after the flip. Yes, pretty healthy. Yes, though. a lot. But I think um, these are these. Veg so, so, I think that your so skill has has shown already. Like your veg plants, this even though they're drooping right now because they happen to be a little underwater, they're underwater because they're huge, yes. healthy plants and they're drinking a lot. So yeah. that that's a good problem to have. And I would say that your experience up to this point has probably made those your best veg yet, mm -hmm. and they're probably a stronger veg than the plants that are currently in flower. So whenever the ones finish up in flower, um, I think however you got to maintain these until you get them. In there, I agree with Doc that when you flip them, they're going to fill out that two by four real quick. They're in a you know relatively. Uh, yeah, you don't need you any vent them out right now. You could fill up the whole two by four. So so far, what you're saying is I should cut them down, and when I'm ready to flip them, when I move them over, just go for it. I don't need to give them the extra time before flipping. One hundred depends how long. Yeah, so you cool. I'm okay with that. I'm okay going faster. And you can keep a lot of those nice. <laughs> you can keep keep a lot of those nice nice tops and make those clones yeah for make sure. beautiful yeah. clones yeah nope i i, 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 I believe in plants because this is just going to perpetuate the problem of too many plants not enough place to grow them but you're doing right. awesome but you. are you feeding when the you garden. give them when you do water them yeah. do you give them anything in the water or is it just water um, I'm trying to read them. I have been using some fresh soil or peat, whatever mix, and I've been trying to feed them more. So I, I just try and wait and see. Well, my only advice was going to be a, like, if you yeah. were going to give them any water, I would give them just yeah. water on this next watering because when they're really dry, they tend to uptake a lot more of that water. So if okay. you're mixing in something that's a nutrient, you, you sometimes mm -hmm. that's how easy way to burn your plant. Ah, so IEC. Yeah. Yeah. Last time these were fed, they got two liters of water on March 17th, and the EC was 1.0. And okay, so you are, you are fertigating. Yeah. What are you using for nutrients that you're mixing in the water? What what brought it up to 1.0? Uh I had 0 0.3 of CalMag. And uh, that one, I used some raw grow 0.6 EC, and I put a little humic in. Okay. Raw grow? Is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, raw raw yeah, it's like juice. An, uh, it's the, like an all-in-one. Grow powder all-in-one. <laughs> yeah, I would I just avoid, I would avoid the raw. I would avoid the raw, and, and I would avoid all those additives and just give them water until okay. they're like until they're like happier looking and then go back to whatever you were doing but uh i wouldn't even feed it the nutrients because they're not really i mean they're still plenty green it's just that when they get too dry that's that's when you it's really easy to burn them if you have a nutrient in there that that's a good tip i would take that gratefully thank you and i'll say this at some point you might just want to flip both tents and have both of them. <laughs> i know that you're saying that you uh, want to have a veg tent but with your yeah. space and setup currently, you could actually get a pretty good output if you 
have a flower tent that's like flowering like your current one and you start flowering (laughs) in that veg tent as well um i don't think it makes much sense to have a separate veg space unless you have two flower spaces that it's supporting right and you're running a perpetual that way otherwise it's just always easy to not have to move the plants to just have two full cycle spaces it is once you have three spaces i understand i feel like they get used to where they're at one veg tent that makes sense when it's just one and one I almost flipped it. Um, I took a whole bunch of clones and threw them out a couple of weeks ago. I, I cut them all down to like here. Yeah. After the fact, if I had cut them even lower, then maybe I would have grown them out nicer and flipped here. I don't know. But uh, I, I'm but at you're, some you're point, learning, I'll I think, that you don't need to flower. veg this long, right? No, exactly. This is way over vegged. It's, it's a good problem to have that yeah, okay. my, my tents will be too full rather than how the heck am I going to fill my tent? <laughs> this is yeah. a much better problem. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, this is a, a seed. Back there, I have the tops from these two plants oh, that I actually that. cloned. They probably need better seed. light. Yeah, they're all the same. Well, the lights turn down. It's I'm trying to slow them down. I have way too much veg. And then I'm going to start a couple autos uh, for the spring auto. Turning the, down the lights past a certain point won't just slow them down. It'll actually make them start stretching and become lanky and not well, sort of not a good structure on the plant. So if it's way down there and you're under low light, I mean, I don't know. It depends on what you're trying to do. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere around there. Awesome. That's been fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, showing yeah. off your garden. Doing a great Thanks job keeping the plants. Thanks for helping. Thank you. Absolutely. We're all, you know, in, we all grow together. And I think that's one of the beauties of the show is um, everyone started somewhere. Nobody has been growing their entire life. You had to start somewhere. And that first garden is hopefully not as good as your 10th <laughs> garden. Hopefully you learn and hopefully you keep getting better and implementing new things and, and trying stuff that works and all that good stuff. So it, it takes a lot of uh, courage to get on any of these shows, you know, coming and showing your garden off to the world. So I'm We're I'm happy to show them off and learn and laugh from my boo-boos and errors and have fun with it. And absolutely. My pleasure. So <laughs> what, what kind of light do you have in there? How much power are you putting to the light? I want to think about what your harvest is going to estimate. Okay. You were saying you this, got up to eight ounces before, right? Or six? It was like six-ish. I, I've had a four-ounce plant. Um, this okay. light is 350 watts. And you're running it uh, on 350 watts? It, it's on full power since gotcha. uh, about the 14th day of flower. It's All right. It's 300 Electric Sky. Yeah. Sunshine Company. Rest yep, in yep. peace. I think they, yeah. I'd say at least 10 ounces. I want to sort of like, this is like when somebody asks you to guess their age and you don't want to be like, you know, guessing 10 years older than they actually are. But um i'd say at least 10 ounces i'd like to hear what what the chat says jack can you full screen that for a second too so we could kind of maybe have a little yes that people think this is in a 
in a four by two tent under 350 watts of electric skylight. Um, looks and like how well big are the distributed pots colas. These are seven gallons. And the medium, one more time, because my internet connection is terrible. It cut out one right after I asked it. I didn't it, hear your answer. It's peat with synganics, some organics, and bottles. Seven and gallon containers. Seven gallons. My goal is uh, I would love to harvest pounds from this tent. If I do everything right, it's possible. I'm on my way there. You are. You're getting get... closer. I don't think you're going to hit 16 on this grow, but yeah. I, I think you'll top 10. I'm hoping I'll, 10 to 14. I'd be conservative, and I'd say eight and a half to nine minimum. I'd say probably eight and a okay. half on the low end, nine. Uh, you got the don't wanting to say that they're 60 when they're actually 50 problem going on too, Jack, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have, to, you have to keep us informed on this as you go. I agree. You can definitely pull over a pound out of a two by four. You got to have it pretty well dialed in. It's certainly something that I'm going to try to do with my plants, but I'm growing six of them too. Um, but you got good, healthy plants there. We'll be interested to see what they actually produce. Regardless of the amount, the quality is looking pretty damn good. They're frosty. Some of the, yeah. get up closer on some of those buds. That's some nice resin coating going on. I mean, that I'd definitely smoke that bud wherever you're at. I'd uh, if I'm visiting, fucking I'll hit you up. Ontario, come to Canada. I need to get up um, to Canada these, someday. And these are my own seeds that I made from uh, male and female plants. What was the lineage? Um, the male was a bag seed, so it would be half, I guess, Fruity Pebbles OG. And these seeds are from 34th Street. You grew a bag seed and got a male? I, I grew six seeds and got some males and females and separated the males and uh, That's pretty collected rare. the pollen. It's it's just pretty that rare because really rare, yeah. hashtag too state of the industry. No, yeah, kidding. it suggests that they were pollinated like by two a years male, ago. not a herm. A and male, almost yeah. all the bag seed that you get is is pollinated by a hermaphrodite, which creates feminized seeds, and you don't get any males that way. It's like extremely rare to find a male in bag seed. The Canadian market's yeah. wild, man. Yeah, yeah it's we're not true. It, it was pollen sacks. There were sacks. It wasn't bananas and pistachios. But they weren't. There weren't any female flowers, or there were also plants. female flowers. I, I had female plants and male plants came out. Of, I grew six seeds and and had both. No, no, I know. I'm just on the male plant yeah. itself. It was a pure male only. Only pollen sacks. Yes. No female flowers. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's pretty rare. To the best of my knowledge, absolutely yes. I mean, it can happen. It just means that the plant that the bag came from was pollinated by a male. Chad Westport in chat brings up a good uh, possibility if it was an outdoor flower. That could have been, yeah. That could. Yeah. Be. It's, uh, it was Canadian Legacy Market, and it was the only bag out of like three or four years from them that I got any seeds in. None oh. of it was seeded in like three That's or four weird. years. One bag had seeds. Th that just they might have been playing as around. being a hermaphrodite, as being one little pollen sack went off in the flower room, pollinated a, a few plants, whatever. It doesn't seem like pollen that came from a male. And in order to get male seeds, the pollen had to come from a male, not from a hermaphrodite. It sounds like he did have a male though. So maybe they were doing like a does, yeah, he says side. it was a male. 
and then I had I had a female that harmed. Sorry. No, I was just saying, like, uh, if if they were breeding the people that you got this flower from in the legacy market, quote unquote, they, you know, grow sensimia on purpose for years because they're, you know, trying to get the highest dollar for their pound or whatever. And when they they know they don't want pollen to be in there, but maybe they're trying to make a new strain in like a little tent at their house, but then their grow facility or whatever they're not going to have that mail there, but the guy going back and forth has it on his beard or has it on his fucking shirt. And that yeah, little bit of pollen I, I, flicks it off. It can happen. That's how so I when I try and, so when I try and trace the lineage of these plants, it's, it's correct to say that the male was a half fruity pebbles. OG. I would say, yeah, that's definitely fair. Cause if that's because we don't really know smoking. what pollinated it. Like, right. we, we know it's from that bag. So at the very least, it's it, yeah. And it was not a cell pollination because it wouldn't no. create cross male to seeds. a question mark, question mark, question mark. Right. Yeah. So, so here's something that you guys should know more about. Um, I ordered one pack of Irie uh tribute to sub cool which i didn't have any of his stuff i did a jack the ripper f2 number four i grew one seed and got a male and harvested that pollen and left it in the freezer for a while and the last grow i added some of that male (laughs) pollen to these plants so i've got some of those seeds that i really want to grow because i figured the lineage on that Jack the Ripper is much better than the half male or half FPOG I have here. Look at you all <laughs> playing fast and loose with the pollen over there. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> the wild card. That's fine. That's fine. I would say anything uh, in my experience with from Subcool and like even the F2s that I put out and selected, I would be a fan of. I'm popping his Jack's Cleaner too, original F1s from Subcool with some F2 Vortex from my buddy Spartan Grown and a few other uh, Subcool heavy crosses and uh, Zesto G to Jack the Ripper and Pineapple Fields to Jack the Ripper. So I'm a little right. bit biased. I definitely love it. So I've never had Subcools and I've never had uh, Rasta Jeffs, but I, I come from a good place looking at them. And so I kind of want to kill all this stuff so I have room to grow those seeds instead. <laughs> yeah. Struggle's real. You know what right, we I were talking welcome. about? People that like to kill bugs earlier. People that like to kill plants are even worse. That's <laughs> so. why they're still growing. <laughs> Trying to be patient. Be like Tao. Keep Blasphemous. I want to say welcome to the dog doctor and uh, seed person one. Dog doctor got here first, so I'll go ahead and have you introduce yourself. It looks like you're watering some plants right now from the bottom. Oh. Or this looks like one of those wicking uh, things, maybe. So one of those what? Hello, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> That runoff or is that water? <laughs> I turned a little bit out. Sorry, I was just keep on doing things. Yes, I'm warning the freak. It's warning day for everybody actually today. I'll put the spotlight on it so we can see it. So. It's come along. Yeah. It actually looks more like cannabis now, but it's still you can when you get up on it, get closer so we can if, see those crazy. Do we know? It John looks like you H- spilled acid on your cannabis or something. Is what it looks like. <laughs> we have a name that looks like somebody's maybe potentially their. Um, you know, government name. name. Uh, it's John H, but I don't want to say the full name. So if you're trying to join under that name, I, I'm not familiar. I'll type it in our little Zoom chat. Um, government name, the G-Man. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, man. 
no, it's honestly the best. That's oh. probably the right way. Yeah, that's yeah. somebody in chat, Jack. I think that's somebody that's in chat. He's cool. Jay Hills in chat. Jay Hills yeah, is awesome. So. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll add you, Jay Hill. You can jump in. I just uh, always want to double check when I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. not familiar right away. <laughs> Better safe than sorry. Upset, at least we're spotlighted. We're, we're spotlighted right now. So uh, we're, we're looking at the free show. We wouldn't okay. even if they wanted to show stuff off screen. Uh, so John Hill, I'm sorry about that. You can jump in. So she's talking. I defoliate her at uh, day 21, 22, actually. And she's at day 27 now. I didn't went too deep on her because her leaves are way too thin, so I kind of let them out. But I'm loving how she's talking. She's looking more like Canada now, for sure. But and it was still... honestly one one of the last times we checked on it. It was such a bush, it, it, like yeah. it was one of those cases where I think that there was uh, pruning that was needed because there was leaf on top of the leaf, and airflow was going to oh, get to yeah. the point where it was uh, too much moisture is going to build up. That's a healthy looking stock. Wow. Now she's a beast. Thick. She she wants to root everywhere. She and, and their her babies, they all rooted. Baby freaks. Oh hell yeah. They all rooted. I love that. Was it a quick root or just average? Dude, in uh, three, four days I had roots and I had to move them in here. Wow. That's awesome. They are really, really fast. That's the new auto out of flower runs that is coming. There's a CBD one, a mint one, a Tropicana cookies, and a lavender one to the autopods. No, this is my queen. I love it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Is that a little Wookiee holding up the stock? That's a little what? What's holding what? <laughs> is that a like a little like Star, Star Wars, Wars Wookiee thing holding up the stock? He's leaning on it. Oh, yeah. Down there? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> That's Chewie, right? It's crazy. It's a little Chewbacca. Behind. That's a. I go. Chewbacca. I go to, that's what I mean. I come back to the same. I'm like, that's Chewbacca. That's what that's, I mean. That's him. That, that there's Buddha meditating with him. He's taking care of Buddha, and Buddha's taking care of the garden. Oh, I have them all over. Important to have back. Is that Buddha? Is that Guan Yin? Crystals in there. For tell. There's a shield. <laughs> that's Buddha there, and there's Buddha here also. Yep. Which Buddha is more powerful is the real question. Oh, this know. one, this one gave me six hundred, almost seven hundred grams on the, out of this closet, so I'm pretty happy with him. It was more that of a collaboration, is... right? <laughs> pretty happy with him, but he has support from uh, the other Buddhas and, and the Aptus calf. Oh well, that's not a really a fair comparison, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Stick, bro. I was gonna say you still got stickers up in your. Tent, How many man. watts of light there? Uh, oh, yeah. You said six hundred grams, seven hundred grams. How many watts of light above it? Four hundred. That's solid. That's nice. really good. I well, actually was that, I... that uh, once uh, baseball bats all over. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, I do. That, that was you probably a, even showed yeah. it on the show, actually. Yeah, she she was pretty amazing. Now I managed to have her shorter, not so tall, because last time I had to flip all the lights like this. Yeah, but I'm pretty happy. I still have space to work under. I I don't like when they are too short. I like a long. What's legs the beneficial because... hung up there? Those are Swirsky or Cucumbers or something, aren't they? Yeah, Spikal yeah. Ultimite. That's probably. I think that's Swirsky. That's a mix. Uh, but yeah, this a one is it the mixed yeah. one? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have the mi that's a Swirsky over there. There's a. Swirsky oh, you're crushing there. it. 
Yeah, both of them. Yes. The better safe than sorry. What do those run you? What is something like that? Oh yeah, good question. Pardon? How does it? How much does it cost for you to get those? Where you're at? Uh, I spend. I I buy it online, and when I buy it, California kiss you, right? Yeah, not not that expensive. I they they came like ten of each. Uh, or no no five for ten which which was five five and I spent like uh, not even thirty bucks something like that I buy uh, more stuff but that was about thirty bucks it's okay yeah right? d- don't uh, don't dox yourself but you are uh, in the European continent somewhere right yes sir yeah so maybe it's a little bit easier for you copper oh, is not... uh, up up in the Netherlands it's they not the, have, the... copper did have launched on the website the US website now where you can get. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah. They buy have direct from them here. now, which is which is cool. Before you couldn't buy direct from them. Now you can, so that's pretty cool. I also I dig the red fan. The, the what? The your fan. The blades are red. Oh yeah. It just looks cool. I do like that. Hey, that's a nice little aesthetic. <laughs> that's cool. Versus like the white, the red on black too. Like the black. Yeah, it's red on backdrop. black. Oh, yeah. but in camera it looks different than in real life. I don't see. Yeah. This oh, meaning. okay. <laughs> Oh, you it looks like it's going really slow, but that's too fast for him to see. Oh, it's thing. the frame rate. Oh, right. Yeah, the frame rate is allowing us to see the, the blades. That's yep. funny. That's funny. Because <laughs> it's not actually the blue spinning one. that slow. Yeah. I had that one. I think that is that a Vivo Sun? Mine that looked like that burnt out on me. The blue one? The yeah, blue but it was an oscillator. The... Yeah. Not with that You're sticker, though. Oh, I not still have that tent, that one in my tent, Jack, but I don't use the oscillation. Yeah, that's the best plan. Me neither. I have this one always fun. That little there. thing cranks though. Coming here, yeah. And I have one down there to mix the air and one to this close. I this is what I imagined there. Like Which is always like all the fans blow harder than I really want them to. To be perfectly honest with you, like I just kind of, especially for early in the growth, I'd like a little bit of air movement. And a lot of fans don't turn down low enough. They're all too strong. Good point. You end up pointing them at wall, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, indirect airflow. I feel like you get much that better. wash. Yeah. Uh, so Chad Westport asked about is how important is the sachet placement? Yeah. Yeah. The question is so he asked, uh, yes, is placement super important for the sachets for the satchels? Is the base of the plant or the top that can't of the can't be better? Yeah. So typically, and this is a copper product, and, and copper has done a lot of innovation over the years with predatory mites, but generally speaking. I've always been told by copper representatives and my understanding for other predatory mice sachets is you want to put them into the canopy and to the heart of the plants. They're closer to like the apical meristem and like kind of in the center so that they're blocked from direct sunlight. That's usually superior because if they get too much heat, then, or even just light, but you can see that they're very well protected in that bag. Um, you know, then they'll they'll egress out too quickly and you won't get like the full uh, like population buildup. See, there's a mixture of, in this one, it's Californicus. And so there's a mixture of like feeder mites brand that the, with like a yeast that the feeder mites feed on. Um, and then there's the Californicus adults and then there's some nymphs and it's supposed to be, you know, it's just the secret sauce so that you get like a maximal population over a span of a few weeks. Like five they weeks do a, or something like that. Great job. Yeah, so, I like them. It's a cool how they kind of can cocked sort of like a mini ecosystem in there, essentially. That uh, yeah, 
allows them to sustain for a longer period of time than if you just released um with uh, whatever they're in one of them yeah and i'm pretty happy uh, i mean i still see trips around and stuff uh, it's impossible for me to get rid of them i imagine because i'm perpetual and i'm always going yeah so when i get this one fully clean this one is finishing there's still something there and the probability of her getting in my clothes and going to that one but um at least I got them under control. And I kind of think that they help the Tricoms get get them stronger. <laughs> or at least some Canadian company it. said that too. But. <laughs> I think I think I think uh you know people are gonna probably take this out of context. So I, I really want to feel like I had to make a caveat, but it's called integrated pest management, and we don't use the word control as much. And that's and I'm not saying that that means that you can't eradicate pests, it's not what I'm saying. It is possible for sure. But like in a lot of cases. Like, especially when we're talking about like agriculture at scale that people are familiar with, you know, like large yeah. you know, square yeah. kilometers and all that, you're not going to kill every bug. Come on. And if you're using like pesticides to do it, that's not great either. So, you know, it's no about having, yeah, have the plants grow out of the damage and, and building resistant plants is the more efficient maneuver, yeah. unless there's viruses and that's a different subject. But yeah. Yeah. No, and so they look so great. They look great. Right. Your you. plants look good. So there you go. Thank you very yeah, much. It's not like they're barely staying alive. Like they're pretty big and uh, exactly. Big and yield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. If you only have like 10% of the population you would have had of the pest, like, you know, instead of having like hundreds, you have like one here, one here, like that's way that's managed. Yeah. That's, managed. That, that, that's, that's, managed. that's my idea. Actually, that's the, uh, that's why I buy this. It's more for IPM, like you said, than uh, to kill them all, to kill them all. I would have to rest restart everything at the same time and clean it. Uh, although, you know, like, although to be honest, I would recommend uh, try doing a Kukumaris or a Swirskii, um if you're dealing with thrips. I think that might be more effective. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it might get so, a little bit more. Or you could put like, you know, how many sachets do you have per room even? How many do you get? One, one two, three. In this one, I have four now. The other ones are finished and I'm ordering now new ones. This one, I, I didn't put any and I had zero pests in this tent so far. Zero. It happens. Anyway. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> anyway, but the, the previous run was the same. I didn't do any IPM on these tents and zero, zero. Well, it might and be the terpene, the specific terpene that, uh, that Freak Show is putting out might be kind of an IPM by its own. But the, the before round was the, the ACE and actually... I think that he's just done a good job with the IPM in that tent. Like he hasn't spread them, like he said, with from his shirt to the other tent. Like this tent just hasn't gotten cross exposed yet. And bug movement they, can be really capricious. Sorry to cut you off, but like, yeah, like uh, you're right. It's definitely a combination of all those factors, right? The good IPM techniques, the I, you know, I look, I look clean myself with alcohol after this tent and go to the water. I water the. Hey. the this is the last one getting water because it's the one. Uh, with the trips, uh, I, I try to do things this way, actually. But uh, I know that eventually, the same way they came from there to here, they will eventually probably find their, their way back to the other tents. Yeah. That one uh, is closed. It's full on cleaning. But let's see. Well, at least you've got to manage it. I do want to welcome in Hills. Uh, pretty yes, healthy looking garden over there. How you doing? Well, then, you. Uh, go ahead, introduce yourself and uh, tell us what we're looking at. Uh, Jay Hills, uh, YouTube, uh, I frequent a lot of the different rooms. Um, this is actually my third grow, uh, second grow in this tent. 
Um, wow. This is uh, like wow. five different cultivars, a uh, couple different plants of each, but uh, experiencing some stretch on some uh, strawberry cheesecake from Humboldt there. That's uh, about the tallest plants I've ever grown. And either I got to raise my lights or uh, I just got to let them uh, touch it. You know, they, they, them over? They, they slow down. That's a good Can you super crop down. and fold them down, okay. pull them away, do any LST on those larger? I, I've, done, I've done a couple of those, uh, but I mean, am I going to mess up the stretch or is that, or I mean, stretch is almost over. Am I going to mess up the cola by bending it over or just grow outside? You're going to mess up the cola by letting it grow into the light. Yeah. Okay. Bend do you over, think it's too close up. right now, Doc, though? Or Probably. it's hard to say without knowing about the yeah, lights. Yeah, that looks like six inches or something. Are those Metacro lights? Those, what is that? Those are Metacro lights, yeah. Yeah. Uh, are I you running at 80% full dates? Yes, I'm at 80% right now. And you got um, two of them in a four by eight, right? Yep. And they're oh, stuffed. Wow. In there yeah, you've completely. got so much light. You're pushing a lot of light onto those plants. 80% well, I think full that's date. why these stretch so much, don't you Just think, Doc? It's because this is the overlap of the two lights. I, would, I agree with Spartan. Raise them up. Raise the lights as high as you raise can. Raise the lights. The you smaller can. plants yeah, are going to get plenty of light, even if that light is way higher. Yes. Okay. That's a hundred percent. If you have room to raise the lights, just raise the lights. You don't have to do anything else. I don't think they're going to grow much more. No, and... we're, we're, we're at 18, 19 days right now. So the end of stretch, I mean, like doc, I've already done that to this one because it was even taller. You know, I've already bent you, it You down. folded it over. Did you hold yeah. it down once you folded it over? I just, I just, <laughs> I just bent it over and now it's starting to curl up. You know, but it's curling up. It's not just standing up. No, I just it stood it up. It, it's starting to curl up, you know. Okay. So, uh, but that's a, that's a legitimate option. I don't think it costs you anything in terms of yield or healthiness of the harvest or anything like that. As long as the plants are still growing, you're, you're like the last couple of days where you'd be able to still super crop them like that because you'd want them to kind of turn around and they'll only do that while they're still growing. Yeah, they um, weren't this uh, this tall until um, like week at the end of seven days, and then they stretched from the net all the way yep. up to where they are in like fourteen days. Yeah, but that bolt, and I'm gonna just keep calling it the bolt, even though you keep calling it the stretch. Okay, is, it is usually only gonna last about fourteen days, and so we're right at the end of it as you approach day twenty-one. Um, usually day 21 is about the end of the ball. And ironically, that's why I believe people do their leaf strip then, which is just, uh, we've talked about that before, but that, that lines up, um, sort of with your plants and they, the way they look too, I don't think they're going to grow too much more. So if you can raise the, the lights and, and keep, you know, probably 14 inches, I think I say 12 in the test, but you're running two of them in a four by eight. So I'd want to keep it a little bit higher. What do you got? I'm just seeing about how, uh, oh, we're on getting the average of the short plants, they're about 14 No, from inches. the tall colas that you're but worried from about. From that tall cola, yeah, they're only four to five inches from the lights. So they're definitely getting a, a toxic, like a, a too high of a load of light there. They're in photo protection mode. They might be able yeah. to survive it without visible signs of, of damage, but well, they're 
I mean, some of them are turning purple on the stock. Is that stress from the light it being could too be. close? It could be. Maybe. Not necessarily, though. But yeah, okay, it could be. The plants could be just stressed in general because of the amount I mean, of light but, that they're getting. But look at her. She, is she actually folding up because she wants more or is she praying because she, you know, or is she... That's She's doing what they call as photo protection responses, where plants change the angle of their leaves to avoid getting too many photons. Okay. Are you because using they're, CO2? they're being they're being overdosed, basically. So that she's trying to protect herself from that dose. Okay, understood. I mean, there, she's this plant here is a strawberry cheesecake, and so is this one. But you can tell that it's not noting and it's not the same structure plant because it's not. But usually in my last grow, it didn't matter the cultivar. I could get them all to be about the same height and train them all to be about the same. You know, I'd have a level- These are from canopy. seed or from clone? Um, some are from seed and some are from clone. Um, there's only four plants- Which is the one that's here. bolting? Uh, that's from seed. Yeah. Yep, everything from seed is bolting. Yep. Seed vigor, and you didn't know the phenotype, so it's hard to know how long to veg it for. They can just- Cor they Correct. Off, especially yep. when you're giving it lots of light yep. and probably keeping it fairly healthy. Um, I would the other thing is it looks like it got pushed more upright than the other plants, had more room to sort of spread out a little bit more. It, and I can yeah, definitely- Yeah, I didn't bend over the stalks at all. I didn't get it very much angle in my training. So, I mean, sometimes I get a little bit wider, like some of those branches, but yeah, um, I was actually during part of my uh, veg, I was at a funeral for about a week and a half and I kind of missed my critical training. They, get uh, out, they run away from you, you know, so that happens, man. Life happens. It, it does. Uh, everybody, we guys, we, we're doing a good job because everybody that comes on to show us their plants are just like crushing it and their problems are like, my plants are growing too big. And I'm running out of space. So <laughs> yeah. Good I, job. I, I mean good problem yeah. to have, yeah. Well done with yeah. that. Yeah. And I think I just moved them away, you know, to the and move your lights up. There's no problem with moving your lights up. If you could there's all my backups light, of I would all say my phenos and all my little babies, all my clones. Um fun. different nice. different, different phenos, a couple different cuts of them. But yeah, I would I'm, say two two comments. If you couldn't yeah. raise your light for the people out there who are in this position and they can't raise their light anymore, dimming it a slight amount. If you had a plant that's that close, it will reduce your yield a little bit, but then it, and it depends on like how many plants are stressing versus how many are. Sometimes I would let the few grow up to suffer, not to sacrifice yeah. the rest of the whole. And in this case, I think it's probably the better case, but just considering both circumstances, depending on how your situation is looking. And then the other thing I was going to say for uh, you, uh, Mr. Hills, is yep. that um, I think you might actually yield more with a plant or two less in that. Tent. Oh, I, I completely agree. I didn't want to put this <laughs> many plants in. I just have a hard time killing them. And uh, <laughs> I actually had like three or four less in here, but then I ran out of room and it was time to flower. And I just, I wanted to flower these uh, seeds to see what they were going to be. Um, all my clones were ready, but uh, I had a couple seedlings uh Macosto uh seeds here this is a frosted raspberry uh s1s and then the uh humble uh, strawberry cheesecake 
So I have uh, like well, four extra plants in here that I can respect and appreciate that because you're getting yourself more flavors <laughs> and the variety is the spice of life. Yeah. So hats off to you on that, sir. Yeah. So taking I'm on just that challenge. To find and just vegems a, a good less time. or something to keep, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm growing six plants in a four by two. I'm just going to vegem like, you know, a very short period of time. That, that's the alternative. Well, I do appreciate your kind words and uh, your words of encouragement there. Um, that's for sure. Yeah, you're doing I'm great. Glad you came up here instead of on my life. Yeah, <laughs> Much hey, better hey. here. Yeah, <laughs> Way well, better here. Uh, so. Well, D, D, you called me out. You wanted to see my plants. I uh, haven't been around very much. Uh, my lights don't come on till seven, and there's not a, li a lot of live shows on this late. So uh, appreciate you guys letting me come on and show off my plants. Let's Thank you. Is for that other tent clones it. or seeds? Uh, that's all clones. All clones? Yeah. Yeah. He, he had to take too many clones and he's just overflowing. Poor guy. Seed person. Yeah, here I need us. to give some away. Uh, Four people that'll take some clones off my hands. <laughs> it's easiest to just not clone the cuttings. I mean, it's hard to not clone the cuttings when you take cuttings and you're like, oh, these are really, they'd make really good clones. I have that problem too. But yeah, like if I get it, it's damn near impossible to kill them after that. Yeah, I, I agree. Definitely. Well, yeah, it's easy to get too many plants, but seed person one has the upside down clone and he's with us this evening. Sure. And uh, I don't know if you're in a position seed person to uh, come on the camera at this point, but we'd love to get an update on that. I've been following this project very closely and I'll throw the spotlight on. I see that you're turning the thing it sideways. Is growing, man. The thing is growing. It's, it's alive. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, green, yeah. green vegetative growth. That's crazy. And it's like, it's throwing all these little tiny nodes out and they're like really close together. I don't know if y'all can see that very well. No. Sure, yes, sir. And then clone so that. That is wild, dude. So oh, I listened, when you said I it was upside down, I thought something differently. No, well the that's what the entire plant and was. So that's the next project, down. Doc. I was watching Smot's show after I got done with my uh Thing I was doing when I, so I wasn't able to make it but yeah I was thinking about getting like a Tupperware and cutting like a circle in the bottom and putting a net pot upside down in there and then filling it with soil and then putting the plant up in there and put the light on the floor oh, interesting. like yeah, a legit upside down plant and see if topsy that works look up a topsy-turvy they make this thing for tomatoes that you can hang on your outside yeah, yeah. That does this I've seen somebody grow cannabis in it you basically get like a few it almost looks like an auto flower you get like a main cola but they didn't have the light on the bottom they had the light up top so it grew down and then kind of j-hooked up back towards yeah. the light and i was going to ask doc about this because me and eagle speculated on fucking talking shit with eagle um maybe weed nerd world or whatever but we um said if you put the light on the floor and like nasa uh, is going to grow plants out in space and stuff so like gravity doesn't become the main factor anymore and if the water is gravity's you know, not the main factor yeah yeah so it, so it's not even really much of a factor in, in reality i guess like it, it impacts all of us and we respect it it makes things more convenient to grow things like the regular way but it is possible with like the top turvy system it's sort of like a sip where you water it from the top there's like a sponge or whatever and it kind of gets the why why would anybody want to do that though it's a lot of extra <laughs> think just of for the amazingness of even it. in space but you know what for new people he started that clone when he took the cutting he put the top part in the dirt like, I don't the know. Root side up. Yeah, root side yeah, up. Yeah. yeah, cutting side up. The the top yeah. of the, uh, the cutting so, like, was in the ground. Anybody who doesn't understand, he put the 
Nah, I didn't understand. Now I understand. And it turned I off and was... started growing. It's amazing. Yeah. And that's the like I was saying with the creepers. All turned over. The, the creeper, like, like the longer plants that would grow along uh, the ground would start to root. And if you bury those, a lot of people would end up getting roots out of them. So it made sense that it's possible with the clone. And we're seeing oh. it here live firsthand. And they're just like curled up. And we were talking so about the cool. whole xylem and phloem. Like, does it, does this prove that it's reversible? It can go the opposite direction. I, I covered this on my show the other week. So the flow oh. is a two-way flow for most things, but there are some plant hormones that travel through the flow that are basically propelled by gravity. So they start high in the plant and they flow downward by gravity. Um, huh. But the, the flow in terms of its ability to distribute photosynthate is a two-way street that, that works basically by diffusion um, and it can go in, in both directions. The, the xylem is a one-way street that goes from the roots to the leaves primarily, but yeah. from, the roots, from the roots up, but only up because like that's the way plants grow. The sun's up in the sky. They don't grow upside down. Um, and the xylem is absolutely not powered by gravity because it's flowing against gravity. It's pulling water from the roots up into the plant. Um, and it's doing that, you know, through the, the, um, is it capillary action or whatever? What's that? Is it capillary action? Um, yeah, largely capillary action and, and driven by the, uh, the evaporation out of the, right. the leaves. Right. Um, and so uh, paying the plant upside down for that, it's not going to make any difference. It's actually going to make it easier because now the water is not getting pumped against gravity. It's getting pumped with gravity. Interesting. And in so terms of transporting photosynthate throughout the plant, that's already a two-way street. Um, so the one thing that's going to be weird, and it's going to be weird to the point that I don't know what's going to happen, really, um, is the, the auxins that suppress growth and create apical dominance. Um they flow downward and their their flow through the phloem is gravitational. So they start by the like all of the growing tips produce these auxins that flow downward and suppress the growth of of lower shoots. And that's why, you know, the branches don't grow as much when they're lower. And if you bend the top down, the auxins that it's producing won't flow up that LST curve and the branch that's on the top now won't be getting suppressed. And so it'll take off. If you've ever done that sort of LST, that's what's happening there. So if you're straight, like sort of anchoring the roots in the sky and putting a light on the floor, one of the interesting things that's going to happen is the branches that we would consider lower branches, but they're actually going to be higher now but they're like the earlier branches that formed on the plant are going to be probably dominant over branches that are further along the, the meristem, um, which is just going to create a really weird, I don't, I don't entirely know how that's going to affect the plant. Well, now someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. I'm going to do it. And another term when we talk about capillary action, I hear a lot in growing, but uh, I'm not admittedly knowledgeable of uh, exactly what it means in regards to cannabis but i feel like turgor pressure is something that i hear uh referring to like plants and what what is that and, and how is cannabis that's that pressure in the plant oh. yeah like like dr coco was saying there's that evaporation that comes out and so that's part of that pressure that, that keeps like the 
you know, there's the pressure that starts at the roots, right? And then it goes through. Yeah. The, uh, xylem yeah. Comes so out. at the yeah. roots, the amount of water entering the plant really depends on the electrical conductivity of the water and the roots. Um, and the amount of water flowing out of the plant depends on the VPD. So if the VPD is, is low enough and there's enough access to water, the plant will have good turgor pressure. It'll be able to sort of bring in enough water through its roots to compensate 100% for the amount of water that's losing out of its leaves. If it runs out of water in the roots, right? And it still is losing water out the leaves, then it's gonna start wilting. It's gonna lose that turgor pressure um, because it's that's not gonna be able tent. to like, keep itself filled <laughs> with water as, as much. That's a good point. VPD, like you were saying, that is like your vegetable. That's you exactly my vegetable. Since gravity will before we before we take that question, I want to let Spartan grow and give it a sign out because uh, he's got to get going over to the Michigan Bros Grow Show. Maybe hit the bathroom, take your dogs, do all that stuff. Yep. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Thank you to everybody showing the grow. I really appreciate that. That's really cool. It took a little while to kind of kick it off, but everybody did jump in Mm -hmm. and start doing that, and that's some of my favorite stuff. So, thank you, everybody who was brave enough to do that. I know it's not easy to do for a lot of people. So um, shout out to chat. Shout out to everybody on the panel. It was awesome hanging out with you guys. And uh, you can catch me on the Michigan Rose Grow Show. I'm heading over there in about 15 minutes after I get these dogs outside. So much love, everybody. <laughs> and keep <laughs> growing. Sorry, I reached out those seeds. That's a no-go. <laughs> I, uh, I sneak attacked the chat, I think, by sending the link out early. No one was prepared. They're like, wait, he only does that on the second hour. Like, this this is not you know, a podcast. <laughs> And uh, even worse for a uh, dog doctor over there, he d- didn't know about daylight savings time because uh, I don't think that they have to worry about that thing. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, Dude, I thought your show had just started. Like, yeah. so we were an hour. That was last week. This week, I just forget. Did you guys change the time? And uh, that's your lights. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> next week, I will probably be on time already. <laughs> we're all getting back into the groove. But I appreciate, like Spartan said, everybody coming in and showing off. Even, uh, if it took an hour for people to warm up to it and uh vpd i think you uh broke the ice there so thank you and thank you to uh, everybody hills and uh seed person dog doctor even dr mj you i guess really uh, were the first one to show the grow so got to go thank you i was gonna i was gonna say um this talk about like having like a a uh, atypical like life source or like uh you know production angle for the plant it reminds me of how like there's like uh for those who don't know you know you might have seen it around but there's rosemary that you like grow and it like grows like a tree and that's i had a rosemary plant for a very long time um that grew massive but then there's also rosemary that grows kind of like uh climbing or rather um uh like a mat almost you know like it kind of like droops and then just as like ground cover mm. and i feel like uh you know that could be the, a sort of phenotype you might want in that sort of situation, kind of like a scrog net, right? Where you can like train it across like a net, you know, up and down a wall or something like that. We discussed this plenty of times in the past, but, you know, I wonder if that would be one way to make use of a like spherical light source that was in the center. I've seen people um, do that, curl around a hanging bulb. <laughs> yeah. They used to do that for like stadiums. Is that better? Doors. Is that more hang a light in the middle and they have plants on the sides stacked up. And I'm not, I don't think that it's efficient to be honest, but I, I've seen I don't think it so, right? in the old days. And it's, it's just dangerous. I don't You're think it's a fucking hot bulb 
and it's it's very dangerous to walk through those rooms because you can bump into it and burn yourself very badly. I feel like and, you'd have to have a secluded room. Like, yeah, you shouldn't be like walking around. The ones I saw, I dude, were do it with raw LEDs. fucking cores. One of the big differences HPS about on. LEDs. Oh, sorry, I didn't realize Jack was still talking. My bad. But uh, no, it's tough sometimes to know on Skype. Yeah, there's the. Uh, but back in the day, people would hang just like a raw wire with a HPS bulb, and then they'd have plants kind of all around it to the best of their abilities versus yeah. like using the hood or the reflector. But I, I personally think that it's a lot more effort and the hood and reflectors were just fine. And so does hanging regular lights. So I don't know if it's worth the it's, yeah. risk of, of burning yourself. Absolutely a real risk of burning yourself. Um, and you'd have to sort of train the plants to be getting the light from that angle. Like we were talking about, if you're going to be growing plants above the light, what are you going to have them growing upside down from the roof or something? It was a um, sog, sea of green, a bunch of like one gallon pots in a stadium. They were literally built on racks. So every single plant was only like maybe a foot tall and like a single cola. And they okay. were claiming decent yields or whatever. But this was in the uh, early days. This is back when cannabis was like six, $7,000 a pound. So uh, <laughs> people could get away with a lot of stuff and feel like they were doing the right question or now i think if she's growing cut out a lot of that sorry Zach. if she's growing upside down with the lights down we'll just let pretend the water yeah. that it came in out of her will still have gravity pulling the drops to the same same direction as the light and since the leaves are the opposite way wouldn't that uh i don't know yeah, if it, it, it would affect the like you know capillary action of the leaves and their exactly, ability to open, yeah. and then the evaporation would be going the opposite direction. So there might be some unintended benefits or no, struggles with managing the climate. The evaporation would go the same way; would still go up, even if the 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 hot is coming down. Evaporation will still go up. The only yeah. and and the drops will still go down with the water. Just the plant will just be the opposite way. That's that that's curious. To what see. drops are you worried about? Drops falling on the light. No, 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 no. The the sweating on the plant, no drops falling. Just the the whole process of it. The like way the water moves throughout released. the plant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess my point there is, water doesn't move throughout the plant because of gravity. Just like blood doesn't flow through your body because of gravity. Sure. Um, you know, there, there's other things. Now it's different. You have a heart that's pumping your blood around, and plants don't have a pump in that same way. But they're not just. Like, like gravity is always fighting against the water that's coming up from the roots, right? So the plants have to move the water up against gravity in most situations. Um, if you flip the plant upside down, put the roots up, now gravity is actually helping sort of that water flow. It, it's it's not fighting against it. No, if plants always grew upside down where the roots were at the top and like the, the leaves were at the bottom and like water always, then we'd have a real question like, could we flip them over this way? Because now they're going to have to be pumping all that water up and they might not even be able to do that. But that's not sort of the scenario that we're dealing with, right? They're normally kind of yeah. fighting against gravity. These are vascular plants, and then there's non-vascular plants too, but they don't go up so. Non-vascular because... plants are like a centimeter tall, though. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because without that vascularization, yeah, they couldn't have done it. Yeah, it evolved so plants could sort of become taller, or the as it evolved, plants were able to become taller by by moving. Now we have on. redwood trees. I'll say that as a joke. Um, I, I, I have undoubtedly a the plant upside down is going to have more terps. 
and that's where the skunk is going to be found. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go and the blueberry. That's what everybody used to do in the 90s, guys, is they grew other plants upside down. That's when we got the really skunky weed. And we that's haven't why had we any can't have skunky weed since then because people stopped growing their plants upside down. Somebody says because maybe the, unle- the, the leaded gasoline in the environment versus now we don't have lead oh, geez. anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's I a really real thing. I, I did this recently on the Dr. Coco show, too. The, the sulfur as a plant nutrient. And it turns out like a lot of atmospheric sulfur was from pollution, um, either mm. industrial sulfuric acid mm. pollution or automobile sulfuric acid. Um, and as they've cleaned up the fuel sources now, um, farmers in some places that didn't used to have to subsidize their supplement sulfur because there was enough sort of sulfuric wow. acid pollution now have to supplement sulfur to maintain the yields. It's been, it sort of recognizes a more uh, acute plant nutrient because of that. Mm. I thought that was fascinating. That's interesting. Like, kind of, serious? kind of like volcanism, like some plants, you know, they rely on those uh, interesting minerals and things that and micronutrients yeah. that are, concentrated in such a you know typically hostile place yeah it's interesting so it reminds me of the global warming and carbon dioxide and how much that's going to increase photosynthesis as well just in case anybody's sort of not aware of really one of the very interesting things that's going to happen as co2 levels rise is plants can make better use of the sun and convert more of that to photosynthate um, the, the point at which they have to start entering photoprotection will go up in terms of PPFD. And we're pumping so many nitrates and phosphates out into the atmosphere and into the oceans and everywhere else. It's, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how much net primary product goes up because of those factors. I will say we got to cut it right now because we've got a pretty large panel still with us. And I think we lost a couple and they might jump back in for the final shout outs. But if I want to pass it first to our guests and uh, VPD, you can go ahead and give your final thoughts and shout out before we close this up. I I like to panel hop, show off my girls a little bit and uh, try and learn with everybody. Happy growing. Thanks for letting me hang out. We're happy to have you. And uh, where can the people find you? On YouTube. I changed my name a little bit, but uh, VPD and I'm learning to grow. So I'm just so much for coming. And next up, we've got the dog doctor. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, panel. Thank you, Chad. Thank everybody for having me. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I'm dog doctor. Uh, You can find me as dog doctor official on Instagram or as grow diaries also. Uh, I like to shout out to uh, Aptus for sponsoring my, my food and my nutrients and uh, some fast buds and seed stalkers enabled for the seeds. And all of you guys, uh, thank you for having me. It's really, really a pleasure. It's one of my favorite places to jump in. And uh, it's, it's really an honor to be here with you. you grow as love, everybody. Keep on growing, as Spartan said. Grow love. Cheers to you, Dog Doctor. And next up, we got Seed Person. One. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, everybody, for having me. Uh, it's been an interesting journey on this one. So um, I'll keep updating everybody. I'm seedperson1 on Instagram or seedperson1 at gmail.com if anybody wants to know more. Thanks for uh, thanks for hosting every week. Grow our love, everybody. Thank you for coming and showing off that plant. It's a cool love. experiment. And I think it uh, led to an interesting discussion. And I'm always trying to learn more. And I learned some stuff I never expected to learn tonight about plants in general and uh it's always a great conversation with this group so i'm very thankful for everybody who's here and uh, first off of our panelists this evening i'll pass it to dr mj 
Hey guys, yeah, have fun. I, I enjoyed the show. Now I'm worried I talk too much on the show, but I really enjoyed all the the guest garden tours, and I love seeing the the freak show plant the the dog doctors growing out. This thing's so weird. Um, <laughs> VPD grows seed person. Um, who was the other the other guest that was on? Jails. Jay Mills, um, great gardens. I'm glad I got to share my little plants, although they're sort of like sideways and growing off the side of the, the, the tent there. But um, I'll try to, to flip those on every once in a while. But yeah, it was a, it was a fun show, guys. Thanks for, for being here. Thanks to the chat. Thanks to the panel. Um, you, you know, I'm doing my Ask Dr. Coco show through Patreon. So if you guys want to check that out, check out my Patreon at uh, um, Dr. MJ Coco. Um, all my articles, resources, grow like calculator, all that stuff. And our wonderful community of growers is over at Cocoa for Cannabis. We're getting geared up for the spring auto flower challenge, which I'll start harassing you guys about because this one's fun. We're doing this, the size matters spring auto flower challenge, which is the groups are going to be determined based on how big your tent is or sort of how big your grow space is. But since we're dealing with size matters, and it's actually crispy wannabe came up with this idea too. We're going to do a, a side challenge to grow the largest autoflower plant and to grow the smallest autoflower plant. But some pretty talented growers are getting geared up to grow the largest autoflower plant. And I think this is going to be quite a, a spectator sport as well as a, a sport that will welcome everybody into with open arms. It starts on 420 on April 20th, about a month from right now um spring autoflower challenge and cocoa for cannabis and yeah let's let's grow together so all is that open to europe buddy that's absolutely open to everybody it's it's basically a fun grow along um register for that we do do some prizes and sometimes we can't ship the prizes all over the world but you're absolutely welcome to to grow together and be part of it for sure okay find me a lot of really great growers over there. Awesome community. I am expecting to see some massive auto flowers and it's going to be great. Isn't that going to be fun? You see what can be done with autos? Dude, I just took the, that uh, ginormous auto flower down with my biggest ever. So come Well, me. you put the challenge out there too. It's like uh, when somebody yeah. breaks a world record, it just like they keep breaking it and keep breaking it and keep yeah. breaking it. It's just amazing. Just, human. I'm hoping we get a little bit of buzz about this and we'll kind of spread the rumor that autos aren't just little dinky plants that, you know, are only going to grow to be about a foot tall once people start seeing some of the, the pictures that the growers are able to put together. So and, you know, we're also having the smallest auto. So it, it's you know maybe you set out trying to grow the biggest one and you decide nah this one's kind of more cut out for this other contest <laughs> that'll be fun to watch as well and uh, the, the proof is in the plants and next up we've got matthew gates yeah i definitely liked the uh questions i liked that we got a, a couple of cool ipm questions and um you know always down to talk philosophy of the mind but i gotta be prepared i guess and <laughs> Um, if you want to find more IPM information, if you want to uh, uh, work with me and getting your IPM strategy better, then you can check me out at zenthanol.com for professional inquiries. You can also check me out at Zenthanol on YouTube. I just dropped the Q&A from uh, January 25th, 15th live stream. A lot of cool questions about termites eating cannabis plants and uh, um a bunch of other really interesting things. So check it out if you're interested in, in that. And uh, also check me out at Zenthanol, or I'm sorry, Sync Angel on Twitter and Instagram as well. 
Great having you. And last and certainly not least, the American one of our panelists this evening. Well, shout out to Jay Hills, Seed Person One, Dog Doctor Official, VPD Grows, and Dr. MJ Coco for showing off their plants. Uh, that's always <laughs> awesome. And uh, thanks everyone in chat for hanging with us. Yeah, tonight was great. I love seeing all the different plants and uh, all the uh, different setups. It's always awesome checking out uh, what's going on and everybody's growing. So yeah, today was great. I'm uh, glad to be here. I'm the American One on YouTube and the American One underscore with underscore Akeens on the IG. Most of you know where to find me. And uh, we'll see you next week. Peace out, everybody. Thanks so much. Now. <laughs> Everyone gives me the uh, host credit, but I think you definitely uh, get some co-host credit there for getting all the shout outs because I'm not going to remember them. Uh, almost four joints deep now. So uh, <laughs> I'll be saying you can find me at Jack Greenstock on Instagram or Jack underscore Greenstock on Twitter. If you want to email me, jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com. Really had a fun time tonight. This is another great one. I love it when the people come on and show their growth, whether they're on the panel like uh, Doc or Noah many weeks, or whether it's uh, you know people that are coming in from the chat. This is really growing with my fellow growers. That's what this show is all about. We're growing together, and uh, I'm very thankful for everybody who came tonight and look forward to seeing you all next week. Grow with love. Thank you so much. Grow with love, everybody. Grow with love, everyone. Keep growing for Spartan Grow. Keep growing. Keep growing.